Attention listeners, ahead are spoilers. If you do not want these human jerks spoiling the movie, stop the recording, for the rest of you. Do you want to play a game? Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Movie Trap. We are here once again. My name is Russell Carlson. My name is Zach Powers. And my name is Chris Bora. You know, we've never discussed it, but one thing we should have worked out a long time ago is the order in which we always say our names. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and yeah. honestly, we- we're fully alphabetical, so you might as well just keep <laughs> that same <laughs> clockwise alphabetical order. Yeah, like right. both first and last name is fully right. the same order. That's right. It's hilarious. Um, but anyway, this is the movie trap, but a different version of the movie trap because this is our Halloweeny edition. Yeah. Shall we? Chris, say. I assume, has spliced in the sound of rattling chains over the entire podcast. <laughs> yeah, spooky yeah, yeah. creaking Bogans doors and, and ghost bones. Yeah, boogans and and banshees He's, and children yelling cackles. in the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. I've pissed, pissed I've, off parents at nine o'clock saying, "I don't care how much candy you have, we're going home." If yeah. you reach down and grab your iPhone, it's been replaced by a plate of spaghetti and or a plate of <laughs> peeled grapes. <laughs> <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I purposely not dusted to give the cobweb feeling. How'd I do? It just looks dirty. Anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, another special thing about this episode is it's the first time since this relaunch where two of the people recording are in the same state. That's right. <laughs> but not the same room. We didn't no. want to no. break. We're no, still no, no. over 100 miles away from yes. each other. Yes. Oh, yes. But we're, we're social not, distancing We're like not a over 1,000 miles away. That's true, which is typically the case. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and I, I feel so much closer to, to you already. About time zones now. Yeah. That yeah. was the whole thing, because I thought you were still off in Chicago time. It's like, no, no. You've gone a whole, a whole hour into the future. That's right. Yeah. We we fucking time traveled. Or in um, the past, in my case, it would be past. That's yes. right. Um. So anyway, I since uh we are doing this sort of Halloween special for the movie trap. Uh, the way this went is we had a a random theme chose off of a random list, and the theme was uh scary movies from the years 1961 to 1979. 1960 to 1979. Okay, 1969. Anything from Psycho to Alien is on the table. Right. It's and it's it's a glut of pretty There's a lot of stuff. great options. There's a lot um, of stuff. So naturally, I went with um 1979's uh Phantasm. Uh, directed by Don <laughs> Coscarelli, uh, released in 1979, but I think he finished it in 1977. This feels um, like something that probably was on the shelf for a little while. It, apparently, apparently, it had distribution trouble. Um, but anyway, uh, let yeah, me give you a quick. They didn't have a budget for this, really. But yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll go ahead and get into yeah, it. Yeah, let me. And let I, me go- I'm sure a lot of prospective people were like, "What is?" This? Yeah. Well, and uh, apparently... I'll get into that later. Um, yeah, we'll, because, like, we'll let you do that. I'll let you do the let rundown. Me, let me just do a, a quick, quick <laughs> Please summary as I can. Please summarize the plot as, yes. as best you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, um, can. We could probably jump in to help you too along the way, because I think it. we could probably jump in whenever there's a moment where something seems extra weird that we should ask a question about, because this right. movie has a lot of strange... Make a, we'll make a sure. mental note. We'll make mental notes. We'll say, put a pin in it when we mm-hmm. come to something that we're like, we need to discuss that in the main show. Yeah, and this is not going to be that comprehensive of a summary. Um, okay. This is, this, uh, so the, the plot essentially boils down to um, uh, two brothers named Jody and Mike. Uh, Jody being significantly older than Mike by about, I don't know, I want to say Mike's got to be about, what, 15, 16, and Jody's probably, you know, 28, something like that. Um, but anyway, there's another brother they have named Bill. Bill is fucking in a graveyard. And lo and behold, <laughs> Put a pin the in woman... It. <laughs> Lo and behold, uh, the woman who transforms into the aforementioned, or we will mention him later, the tall man, and stabs him with a knife, thus killing Bill. We then cut to a funeral. Oh, that's Tommy. Tommy, not yeah. Tommy. You're right, not Bill. Um, I don't think you get to reveal that the lady in Lavender is the tall man till later, but that's a, you know. They kind well, of no, they, 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 they cut to his face at one point where it's just. Oh, they do. I must. I must have missed that. Yeah. Yeah. They, they like definitely they had, don't hide it. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. It, I mean, you don't have no idea who the tall man is, so it, it's kind of jarring, but I'll get into the editing later. Uh-huh. I, okay. um, um, so anyway, um, 
Jody and Mike have a best friend who is an ice cream truck man named Reggie, Reggie Bannister. And they're at the played funeral. Played by the actor, Reggie Bannister. Reggie Bannister, indeed. He, and, and Mike, played by Michael Baldwin. Um, and yeah, so except for Jody. Jody's not his real name. Um, so Strangely, the, f- the tall man is played by the tall man. Yes, that's right. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, they're at the funeral, and inside the funeral home, Jody goes a wandering. They're all worried about Mike because Mike and Jody lost their parents about five years ago, if I remember correctly. So they're already dealing with a lot of grief and loss. Um, and Jody is ready to get out of town, but doesn't quite know how to tell Mike, um, who at this point. Jody is Mike's only family. Mike kind of overhears this and runs away because he's a precocious little scamp that he is. Um, and then Jody decides to take a walk inside the mausoleum of the funeral home where he meets and it, the funeral home has this eerie feeling about it. Um, and then he is greeted. He is drawn to a door and then a very tall man, and that is his name, the tall man, says, the funeral is ready, sir. And he goes to the funeral. Somehow, Mike goes to a bar and meets up with the same lady who befell his brother. He also witnesses brother. the tall man lifting the coffin. That was Mike. Mike. Mike, who is spying oh, yeah. on... Yeah. Mike, Mike, also is sp- yeah, Mike, Mike was watching the funeral happen, and like a little creeper, McGee, uh, he was sitting off in the bushes which, with, I think, binoculars. And this is the yeah. first of many times in the film. He's, he's a little a Harriet the Spy. Yeah. 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 Harriet the Spy, yeah, I don't think she had the same R rating in most of her sequences. That's true. But hey, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Harriet Har- 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 Spy didn't. Mike, Spine. Mike yeah. has a fun Old day of, of seeing the tall man lift a giant coffin by himself and then going to actual psychics and not being very impressed. Yeah, right. And <laughs> sticking his hand in a box, the box kind of gets him, and it's all about do not fear Michael or whatever. Yeah, well, it's anyway. also they steal the whole scene from Doom because it's like the Gamjabar scene huh. where it's like it, they just hard steal hmm. it. It's like you stick your hand in a little box. You got to have fear is the mind killer. It's the only thing That's to fear right. is fear itself. Yeah. And uh, for no reason, they have the whole introduction of a psychic and a psychic, like gr- the psychic's granddaughter who speaks for the psychic lady. They never touch on this again. And the box in the center of the table fucking disappears in a fade cut. Mike doesn't While question Mike, or freak Mike is out looking by that. at it and is not impressed. He has no reaction whatsoever to this box. <laughs> yeah. And uh. like the biggest reaction he has is in the scene we're about to get into where Mike meets the hot, sexy lady in lavender again. And they go back to the, the graveyard to get fooling around right Jody, yeah, Jody goes yeah. yeah Jody goes yeah. to the lady lavender to go get busy in the graveyard which immediately somebody would think that's alarm bells right this is what I'm getting into is trouble um yeah we've seen this lady stab someone uh turn into a man there's a lot of things going well, on with this lady Jody hasn't seen either of those things that's true uh, uh, even though he mysteriously bill committed or uh tommy committed suicide is what they're saying but mm. anyway i'm just saying if a strange lady is dragging me off to the middle of a graveyard to have sex I- i'm gonna think something's a little off you know yeah. I- i'm just gonna i mean throw I, that I out there. it's the classic I mean, thing zach you got it right it's it's the uh it's the old alfred hitchcock thing it's it's not the bomb's gonna go off it's that you know the bomb's gonna go off but no one on screen does so we yeah. have that little suspense moment of willie won't they will they won't they and right so while yeah. Mike, and, uh, you while, also, and also it's worth noting, Russell, one of the reasons you might be suspicious is, uh, unlike Jody, you ain't an absolute snack. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. With that car, man, you know, you do it. Chicks yeah. dig the car. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So anyway, while Mike, uh, while, while Jody, excuse me, is off with the lady in lavender, his again, little brother is stalking him. And then he somehow ends up wandering around the graveyard yeah and he, like, i'm gonna put a pin in i'm gonna yeah. put a pin in the stocking yeah and then yeah. he kind of uh runs into what even though it predates the jawa could only be described as a jawa and uh, jawa technically yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, because it was filmed in 77 but was released in 79 so right. jawas ate their lunch a little bit in the intervening years right yeah, yeah. but right. i think jawa like, zombies is definitely the right one to go with here because it's yeah. like he's off in the bushes creeping on the ladies the biggest reaction we get from mike is oh wow when he sees boobs 
Right. And then a Jawa zombie attacks him and he runs out of the bushes, interrupts Correct. his brother, interrupts the lady, runs down the hill, doesn't explain anything. <laughs> and there's the creepy moment of the brother running after his brother, Jody running off with, uh, I guess, panties clenched in, in his, his mouth. Teeth. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just one of the least attractive things about that sequence. <laughs> yeah. It's just weird. It's very it's like, 70s. Leave them. Leave them. It, leave them it's very, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, to kind of flash forward, because we could spend all day go plotting out this movie, because it yeah. does kind of, the plot of this movie kind of just basically gets down to... They want. They don't know what the tall man is doing to all these dead bodies. Mike wants to find out. Mike breaks into the mortuary to see if their dad is still there. They open the mausoleum. Dad isn't there. What is happening to all the dead people? So Jody decides to eventually lock Mike in a room. He's had enough of that. Yeah, um, for his own safety. He's like, for no, his own safety. In this room. I'm going to go uh, take care of the tall man myself. Right. Jody yeah. totally. Yeah. So Jody and Reggie go off to go fight the tall man while Mike is stuck in the room. Mike then MacGyvers his way out and meets y- up you know, with the, the tall classic, man. The classic thing. You take a shotgun shell, you stick it on a hammer, on and a then head. you just randomly wail on a door until it explodes. That's and how that forgot, works. Wrapped with scotch tape. Yeah. Yeah. Flawless. This is um, one of several times, I think at least three times, where they attempt to waylay Mike, and he foils that attempt. Yeah. He, he's a quite a hairy Houdini. Um, so anyway, to make a kind of long story shorter, um, they meet the tall man, and they discover what the tall man is doing with the dead bodies. The tall man is a creature from another dimension, planet, what have you, and he is shrinking the bodies to withstand the gravity in his dimension and the heat, apparently, from that dimension as slaves. To what end? We don't know. And that's what um, the Jawas are. The Jawas are about, shrunken corpses yes. that are being sent back to that planet uh, as slaves, and I guess a few were staying here to help with the operation. Yeah, I, Although I, I he suppose could have so. Just- probably shrunk those ones later right unless that's part of the slave making process well and it gets weird because he could clearly control corpses and people okay because there is um okay so to finish up the synopsis they go a a long distance to making a lot of live people dead and you'd assume that maybe that's in the interest of making more zombies but then there's an entire graveyard there that they don't have to kill they don't have to do any of this work like it's so weird that this is the explanation I've got it a, could I be wanna, fresh corpses, but I don't even hard to say. It it seems like that anyway. Well, I'll get into that later. But to wrap it up, uh, we eventually learn to shut the gate between the dimensions. Uh, everybody pretty much dies and gets sucked in, and the tall man wins. And then whoop, it's a dream. Mike wakes up and finds out that Jody was killed in a car crash from Reggie, and it was all a dream. There's no tall man. There's no murder dwarves there's no murder balls and he says we know what we need to do reggie says to mike we needed we need to get out of town let's go so he climbs up to his room and then he closed the door and there's the tall man and roll credits um the end yeah um and it, it, so they they quadruple down on the end with the it's all a dream ending but then they're like but wait it wasn't and there's no clear line Not of only, logic uh yeah i believe doesn't, isn't there like, doesn't it kind of go like, okay, they defeat the tall man by dropping a bunch of rocks on him. Mm-hmm. And then I think there's a shot of the tall man in his room. It's been about a week since I've seen this standing over his bed. And then he wakes up and is told it was just a nightmare. So there was a twist. And then there was another twist that it was a nightmare. And then there's another twist where it, it wasn't, wasn't a nightmare. It wasn't right. a nightmare. Yeah. We, we go back and forth on it. The conversation about. Mike telling him he had a nightmare could only reference the first twist and not the entire events of the plot. I think it is maybe, maybe supposed to. Maybe. Yeah. I, 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 I'm unclear about that. I mean, because like I, 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 I sort of think that this movie, I don't think he meant to do it, but this is more of a movie about coping and grief. If you want to go, I don't think uh, Don Coscarelli meant to do it that way, but that is sort of the human element that I got out of that. And that's why the kind of turning back from the dream and then the tall man's there kind of mm-hmm. cheapens that whole human motive for me, at least a little bit. I mean, it's fun because of the, you know, franchise and obviously spun off um, and the tall man's great uh, as a menacing figure. And, you know, yeah. um, but you know, I, I sort of, of, the, the tall man is like 
one of those minor icons of horror that pops up. Like, he's not the A-lister. He's not up there with the Freddy and Jason. Sure. He's probably not even a B-lister, like Pinhead. But, uh, you know, if you get a horror buff, they'll be like, yeah, the tall man. He's one of those kind of classic. I put tall and he's man. one of the earliest ones. I yeah, think only, I, only Leatherface really predates Yeah, I was about to say, I, mean, I put tall man with like a Leatherface leather. leather. He's but. like the fog hat of villains. Yeah. Oh. You know? <laughs> Or you're right. I will not have villains. you besmirch the good name of Fog Hat, sir. <laughs> Songs um, are awesome, and you can well, pay dirt money. It's dirt cheap to see him these days. Oh um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh god, this movie. <laughs> revisiting this movie is so strange, guys. Because I remember oh. being age appropriate and thinking it was great when I was like 14, 15. Because it was like, oh my god, this kid's driving a car. This kid's drinking a beer. I think the kid smokes at one point. You're like, oh, wow, he's like an adult. He got to see boobs at a, at a you know, mortuary, which it's, the location's less the go-to there. But um, the thing is, is it's just like, it's the sort of movie that I think plays well for like 19-year-olds, or excuse me, like 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds who are like on the mm. cusp of becoming adolescents. But like, as an adult revisiting it for the first time in 17 years, it's a little bit strange. There's a now, lot of stuff that just seems made up. I believe yeah. uh, this is one of those films that all three of us had seen prior to this. I am yes. in a similar boat to Chris in some ways. I saw this. It must have been at some point in high school. I was very into horror films in high school, and I dug deep. I, I pulled out the obscure ones. That includes Phantasm. I think I might have watched, with a lot of these, these series, I watched, like, all of them. I think I watched every Hellraiser except three, which my blockbuster didn't have at the time. Um, and that was that Hell on Earth one? That one wasn't, yeah. yeah. I've seen, like, yeah. every, and that's supposed to be the worst one anyway. Yeah. And then uh, I, I watched, like, every the- Halloween, every Friday the 13th, et cetera, et cetera. This one, I remember, I think I, I, think I watched Phantasm 2, but I'm not 100% sure. And then I if didn't you remember watch the, the rest. four barrel shotgun, that if you remember Not the four really. barrel shotgun, why don't, okay. why don't why don't we do this? I'm gonna ask uh, Carlson. Did you watch any besides the second one? Did you watch I, all the I, other four? Oh yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat with y'all. That's sort of why I picked Phantasm because I, gotcha. I as I'm going through the list of the the obviously greats that you can go through in this era. I, there I are some kind of gold standard. Horror yeah, movies. for sure. But I, I, I didn't want to just pick a chalk pick. So I, and I haven't honestly seen Phantasm. I probably since like Zach said, since high school. And I, I too did like a deep dive. I saw Phantasm one, two, three, and I believe four. Um, but uh, well, I, two I, stuck I t- out with me because I think I saw that first before I actually saw the first Phantasm. Um, I'll tell you what, I'm just going to quickly ask uh, a couple questions uh, about which of these is a lie. And I'm going to aim this, since you've seen more of them, I'm going to aim this at you, Zach, and this is for points. So I'll give you a okay. point. I'm going to give you a number of things that happen later in the series. The one I thing to- I know, for sure, just to get you off, is, uh, get you started, um, is that uh, I know that Reggie becomes like a poor man's Bruce Campbell type type horror action icon. He's like poor man's Ash yes. from the Evil Dead. Poor I know man. that. Okay. They were okay. both pretty poor, sir. So I'm going to just say some things that happened. You tell me which of the things I'm saying is a lie. Okay. Okay. So uh, later in the series, Mike turns into a gold ball. Um, in the third film, a black female named Rocky is introduced who uses nunchucks to kill spheres and is then sexually harassed by Reggie. She then appears not in the fourth, but in the fifth film. Uh, a character and that's named all Ch- one. <laughs> that's all one. Okay. Uh, a, a character named Chunk is introduced that is an underground guerrilla fighter. Um, at one point, a sphere with eyes learns to drive a car. Uh, one, one of the main characters is replaced by James LaGrosse. For one sequel, before the series reverts to the original cast. And, uh, which of those do you think is a lie? Only one is a lie. Yeah, only one of those is a lie. Two is for sure real. Um, there's no doubt in my mind about that one. Unless you've done this very well, it's possible. That one sounds the most plausible to me by far. Um, do you want to go with something like a 
a ball with eyes learns to drive a car because that does sound so crazy it couldn't possibly be true. But it could be a trap. This is the name of the podcast, of course. Yeah. And I mean, it's also a movie where they literally introduce, you know, fortune tellers. And, uh, you know, the uh, the main hero of this series is the guy who gets killed in the first episode and keeps coming back every time. Reggie. Named for Reggie Bannister. Mm-hmm. The actor and the character. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Take that, Bruce Campbell. Do you have Just any saying. ideas, Zach? Okay, so we got Gold Ball, we got um, Black Woman, we got uh, Learns to Drive a Car, we've got James one of the big... I'm going to go with the last one. What's the last one? James LaGrosse <laughs> is replaced for one... He replaces no. the main cast for... That is oh, incorrect. No. That's Phantasm 2. It happens in Phantasm 2. They, they replaced Mike with James LaGrosse for one um, sequel because Universal Studios bought it out and they wanted to have like a big horror franchise for themselves. So for some reason they saw Phantasm and thought this is the new hot thing. Why remake it? You could just make a sequel to it and replace all a bunch of the cast. And then as soon as they got done, they went back to the original cast because it was the highest budget of a Phantasm movie, but it was the lowest budget of anything that Universal put out that year. <laughs> so yeah, as I understand, because, be, because of uh, the how not good phantasm did two did yeah. for universal by the third one they said well we'll distribute it but we're not going to help you make it and he was like great yeah. you know but, so you well know. now you have to reveal the the correct answer okay it's got to be ch- was- chunk right i don't remember that no, shit. No, chunk, no, i forgot to even i forgot to even mention no. chunk when i did the yeah recap. no there's there is no spear with eyes that learns to drive a car see, that was see the i couldn't one. have ruled that, that out seemed, though that one seemed the most out there and that was my first response but i thought you were go- i thought you were goading me yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a movie like it is. The reason I'm saying these weird things is because I don't think that there was a um, in, in the years since Star Wars came out, there's been an, a lot of energy put into trying to justify all the weird, you know, uh, transcendental psychic shit that's in the original Star Wars movies. This particular series of Phantasm, it really gongs that bell so hard because it's like you see the first film and it's fun and it's silly and it's goofy and it's ridiculous yeah and then every film after that digs so so hard into trying to make it a serious horror franchise like they try to explain everything i don't know about that because they kind of get kind of campy in the lighter i mean like i said he makes a four-barreled shotgun in the second one you know like he he does but then they don't like they they have so much gravitas added into the last few where it's like three, four, and then five Ravager that just came out and is unwatchable. I uh, clicked through it, but I, it is I, unwatchable. I will say uh, first, the concept of the four-barreled shotgun, that in and of itself is very much to me like we saw the Evil Dead too. We want to do something like that. Right. Apparently, but, Raimi and Raimi and Don, these guys are buddies. They know oh, each I other. See. So obviously, they were they were into the same thing. I think Phantasm 2 came out around the same time as Evil Dead 2. And that's where, you know, and I want to talk about that, too. I will say Phantasm and Evil Dead, at least the protagonists fucking get armed. They yeah. fuck at least say what you will. They're like, nope. Oh yeah, having a fucking gun. <laughs> they give that kid shoot to kill. <laughs> there is some. There is some. Definitely, when they start arming him and arming that child, there is right. some, some bad. They point some guns at each other unthinkingly uh, during those scenes. They're yeah. not. The, they're not the tops with gun safety. Right. Um, <laughs> But I, you know, you always wonder, like, you know, they always bring like a bat or something, you know, and you're like, what the hell is a bat going to do? You know, you need to fucking get some distance on the guy, <laughs> unload it. Um, so I've always, that's what I always liked the fan when I was little. That's why I liked Phantasm. I think your point about adolescence, this is the perfect time to watch that watch this movie is when you're in that kind of adolescence because you relate a lot to Mike. You know, he's kind of this plucky, but kind of depressed, but, you know, not quite a grown up, but, you know, you're told to do a lot more shit like a grown-up um you know and and considering that the character mike is dealing with so much loss in his life and that is kind of the emotional thrust of the movie although i think 
Don and I think Don Coscarelli was more focused on the silver balls aspect. Yeah, of I, th- I think, I think that was deep. Yeah, that was secondary. the point of the movie. <laughs> the thematic arc of Phantasm was probably yeah. the secondary concern, right? And I yeah. and even that Borf said that there's this documentary on YouTube. You could uh, Borf could probably throw it in the show notes where he even oh, yeah. talks about that, and he credits the the actors to kind of bringing out that sort of brotherly sort of camaraderie that comes out in the performance, and that he didn't really give a shit about it. He, it was more or less just, uh, you know, a B plot, you know, to just sort of keep the movie going. But I mean, uh, I, we want to talk about the editing. Cause I think I read somewhere that, like this movie was like three hours long originally. Like he, there's a lot of this movie that's cut out. And I'm wondering because of the strange way it's edited, you know, like in all the subsequent phantasm movies, there's a narrator to kind of like drift you along as an audience there's nothing like that in the first one it's you're just sort of following these characters along um and it's edited so strange where characters will jump in and you're supposed to know them and they'll save them and then they die you know and then the the fortune teller thing just seems to kind of rope in mike to don't be afraid there's a lot of stuff that uh, seems the thing is is i really don't think they knew how to make a movie like i think that that is probably the case like, like mm. one of our things now is we're looking back on it and we have, you know, Joseph Campbell to, like, hearken to. They didn't have that. So, like, when you watch movies from the 70s that, like, came out before Star Wars, people didn't think of that as much and they didn't know it as easily. So you wind up with these films that have incredibly strange act structures where things happen randomly and you're not sure why it's happening. And you have characters getting introduced and then taken away. But in this one... I think the guy really just came up with a location and he was like, I like the mortuary. I think mortuary yeah, like silver cool. balls. I like silver balls, I like the mortuary, I like a creepy old man, I like a precocious child running around. I like little get a hooded hot lady in there. You know, I like hooded, little hooded little monsters. Yeah. Dudes with cool cars, driving around in his CUDA. Yeah, um, right. Jamming and, on his porch. Yeah, so there's oh God. The, the porch jam was really bad. Um <laughs> so seventies. Uh, but yeah, it's stuff like that where it's like they were coming up with things and just throwing them into the story as they were making the movie. Because like, there's stuff, there's stuff they talk about in that documentary you just mentioned where they revealed that they didn't have a plan. Like when the lady shows up, there's a hot lady in lavender and they shoot a whole sequence with her where she's, uh, you know, hiding in the bushes and she's like, you know, playing with a knife or something and if I remember it at the very end, it's like uh, Mike sees the lady in lavender. Yeah, and he's that's like, where oh, it truly reveals that it's the tall yeah, man yeah. the whole time. Yeah, and and the thing is, is that they shot that as a screen test for that actress to see if she would work, and they just decided to use that footage. And then Don Coscarelli decided he wanted to have a hot lady in the movie so much that they then went back <laughs> and added in two more sex scenes where she's being, you know sexy with someone where she stabs the first guy and then the second and there's something else you know the uh, unnecessary yeah. nudity included in yeah for sure but the thing is, is it was it was plugged into the movie after like it, that was something where someone was finishing the movie and decided we need to have a shock open we don't have anything to start this sucker with we got to get him right out of the gate oh it's a hot sexy lady stabbing somebody because there's nothing that happens after that for like about for a 20 while minutes. yeah, yeah. Mm. huh I, I yeah, kind of I mean, there's like minor. The... Yeah, there's the minor scares. There's him and like visiting his parents, and like it's just kind of a creepy atmosphere. The psychics, like every scene is so. A lot of the scenes seem very disconnected. Like yeah. He, mm-hmm. The 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 so so one of the staples of the franchise as a whole seems to be like the little silver death balls, right? I think mm-hmm. they're only used like twice here. Yep. Oh, Zach, mm-hmm. you just got my point, buddy. Good job. Yeah. yeah. They're not super prominent. Uh, the yeah. and also the they, as I was gonna say, they raise more questions than the answer. But that's true of everything in the movie. That's um, very true. Yeah. But my favorite character is there's so many villains in this movie. They're just like appear, and it's like what the fuck is that? And I guess you can explain it away by being like they're they're extra dimensional beings. Whatever. Sure. What's the tall man? Whatever. He's an extra dimensional something. Sure. Little Jawa creatures, the 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 flying balls. There's one guy with the first silver ball scene who's just like <laughs> a dude. He's just a dude. <laughs> just trying to so kill Mike. Work at the mortuary yeah. someplace, yeah. like a gardener or something. I, uh, yeah, I, a slightly it, a slightly pale caretaker. He looks like he's yeah. got some sort of a pallor, but you're not sure what's wrong with him. 
Is he trying to stop the trespasser? Is he in on the instrument? He has to be in on the conspiracy. Has to be in on it. Yeah. What's I, he getting out of this interdimensional slave trade? I, and it's I, also I, like Mike goes straight for drawing blood real fast too. Like yeah, that's with a bite yeah. in that scene. Like it isn't like let go of me. It's like I'm gonna chew your arm off, which is right, yeah. pretty intense. This is like and a rabid dog. The, and then they have that really gross sequence of like uh, spoiler warning: that guy dies, but then he pees after he's dead, which is a yeah. strange, strangely yeah, specific that's... and kind of gross addition to the scene. Yeah, I wasn't I, sure. I because I it seemed like it was like slightly reddish, but it was not red enough to be like pure blood. So either they fucked up with making the blood, and they were just like, I guess he peed. <laughs> Or, <laughs> I mean, it is possible too that he might just have, uh, you know, kidney stones. It could be that he didn't drink enough that day, so his pee's a funny color. It well, they they do all have yellow blood, so I guess that's why. I that's all. But when he I did, watched it when I was yeah, yeah, I know, red clearly blood. he didn't. Clearly he had mm-hmm. very red blood. But when I watched this, what you know, uh, you could. I always thought that's what it was. I never thought it was pee when I was. Now I see it. Now when I'm a grown yeah, up, I'm I like, thought oh, it was that's totally I thought they pee. Just made bad. I thought it was just like, I thought it was just, uh, I thought it was like the embalming fluid thing that like the tall man bleeds or whatever. Oh, right. Um, and, and I don't even know if that comes, I can't remember if it even comes up yeah. in this movie, but it definitely comes up later it's on just, in the show. It's so clear like that, that guy or the sequence where, I mean, the, his fingers turn into something they bought at a Halloween store for a little mm, while mm-hmm. and yeah, tries the, to kill. Yeah, the tall, the tall man uh, chases Mike, gets his hand slammed in a door, and they have a Wile E. Coyote-style thing where the fingers are tapping on the door like, hey, you forgot about the fingers. Mike whips at it with a knife, cuts off a finger, takes that back to show Jody that, in fact, all this nonsense is real by showing him a severed finger that has green blood in it that's starting to twitch. And then after that, uh, Reggie shows up and the finger turns into a weird fly monster. It looks like it's out of, uh, there was a completely different film with a killer fly. Amityville. Happened years later. Oh, okay. Yeah, Um, yeah. Which, you know, that happens. uh, And Reggie, not even slightly trepidatious about his, like views is just like oh that thing's real that's fucked up and he's on board well, with fighting fair, the dark yeah that's true for a lot of these characters convincing them that this is really happening is pretty easy yeah like the movie's not really interested in scenes where reggie's like you gotta or uh mike is like you gotta believe me you gotta believe me no it's interested in scenes where a silver ball appears and sticks right. in a guy's head <laughs> right yeah it's interested that's, in uh, scenes where a woman has sex with a man and then stabs, <laughs> and stabs him. him. Yeah. Why the sex is necessary? Because it's, it's not. the 70s, baby. I mean, I'm just I'm just assuming that maybe the tall man got lonely. Mm. Yeah. Maybe the tall man mm. just enjoyed it. That could be. Well, and that's what I mean, like outside of the 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 tall man's overall plan of the interstellar slave trade. Um, why does the tall man seem to have it in for this Pearson family? I mean, it, it does. He goes after the brother, goes after the other brother, and goes after the little brother. Um, he does seem to have it in for this particular family. Well, and I think later the, on Reggie, my read but. on the parents was that, and Tommy, the guy at the beginning, wasn't their brother, was he? He was. Oh, he's also Pretty their brother. Sure their brother. Pretty they sure it was their brother. Of- they talk about the parents sometimes. I don't feel like they talk about that guy very much after the first scene. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, and I think that's the poorest point that it was added on later. That we, I, I think the parents' death is the, supposed to be the thrust of it, but then they needed the TNA and threw in the brother, I guess. Um, but I'm pretty yeah. sure it's his brother. It says at the funeral, Tommy's friends, Joey and Reggie. Oh, okay. So he's, okay. he's their friend. They could. Okay, that's fair enough. I may, I think he was in their band. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah and the soundtrack anyway, on this is actually pretty good. I have a feeling it's I will, I completely concur. I mean, I love the theme song. The theme song. It's like, it's straight prog rock. It's definitely from the 70s. It's not something you could take too serious, but it's good. It's fun. It's it's creepy. Except for the one that sounds like a porn track. (laughs) That's the thing about this movie overall is it's not a great movie, much like the soundtrack. Like, there's better soundtracks. There's more memorable soundtracks, but it's pretty fun. Yep. It works. It works. Like, every scene is relatively entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and the tall man's such a great as, you know, even though he doesn't quite make the, the, the upper echelon of horror monsters, because in all actuality, he's just a dude, he's just a guy, but that's sort of like what makes him so creepy because his powers aren't necessarily enumerated. You know, you really don't know what this guy's really capable of. And that's sort of the terror of it. 
for instance, he can do this thing where if the plot needs him to do a thing, he exactly. can do that. That's, that's a superpower, man. That's a superpower. That's, that's yeah, exactly it's, a superpower. He's, uh, he is essentially the villain equivalent of um, whenever uh, Doctor Who breaks out his little magic piece of paper. Exactly. And he just flashes <laughs> yeah, the paper. Right. It's like, yeah, don't it's worry a about this plot yeah. problem. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's like, right, blah, blah, yeah. and it's done. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Batman has a whole utility belt full of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh, this mm-hmm. one. This one's a living, breathing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that. But it, because he's so naturally menacing, it's um, it's like it, it, Yeah, I think that's a term that some people use for just a random thing that like lets a thing happen in the plot. Oh, phlebotanum. Hmm. hmm. I learned something. Um, or at least it's one I've heard before. I don't know if it's widely used, but okay. I, I. But I. I I, for what this movie's worth, I, I do give it credit. I mean, it, for, it did launch a franchise, for better or worse. Um, and it is, it's made in earnest. Uh, you know, I, show me a movie that's not great, that's earnestly made, that's made with like sort of, you know, like sort of like the color out of space, like even though I didn't really care for it, but I admire it. You know, you, I admire the attempt. So it's the same thing with Phantasm because what it's trying to do with the horror part is fine what it accidentally accomplishes uh i think is even more remarkable um so yeah Yeah. i mean it's it's still i still had a good time with this movie i thought it wouldn't age as well i mean it definitely didn't impact me like it did when i was a kid um but it's still you know it was all right Uh, i'm gonna just for the curious audience um in case they were curious about that word i the the word phlebotinum it is spelled P-H-L-E-B-O-T-I-N-U-M. Uh, it is credited to a writer for Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Jane Espenson. She's also written out a bunch of other stuff since then. Oh, but okay. uh, yeah, you could look it up. There's, It's a word that I see used sometimes for just... Oh. Whatever, yeah, well, something that, that needs to happen magically doesn't matter how it happens. Sure. We'll, we'll plug and, that one into the show notes because that's good. We also, like... Yeah. Uh, you were talking about a tall man and Mike. That kind of speaks to the thing where they explain overly explain later why it's so important that the tall man is messing with Mike but it's something that they yeah. didn't know when they made the first movie and they made up Shh. later where it's like Mike is the one who turns into a gold ball and he supposedly has the same powers as a tall man and is being groomed to turn into the oh. tall man I didn't uh I didn't really think it was a problem it just seemed like Mike was like onto the mystery and because he had started investigating the mortuary the tall man was like okay well I'm gonna kill this kid before he yeah that's well, definitely that's, what it seems like, because it seems like they, they definitely yeah. indicate that the tall man's been at this for a long, long time. Yeah, years. Um, yeah. Um, and then as the franchise goes on, then it goes like the tall man traveling show. Oh, yeah, like yeah. he goes yeah, to yeah. town to town. There's just, even like a scene straight out of It. This predates It, but a scene straight oh. out of It, where they see an old photo of the tall man in ye olden times. Yep. And uh, like the photo moves and looks at Mike. Another mm-hmm. fun... S- thing the tall man can just do i guess <laughs> angus scrim's got the best scowl in the world man yeah. like uh, he's just got the you know i get but that's like a good example there's just random shit and it's like i've noticed that things from this show up in other movies later in far better movies later hmm. like like i talked about the thing with the giant killer fly that shows up eventually in amityville horror which is pretty good Sure. Um, the Gam Jabbar was taken from Dune, but it shows up in the movie Dune eventually. So I don't think you can give that one credit. But of course, there- the Jawas. We all remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. Jawas. Yeah, I mean, and then and then later on, they actually take the hood off of and reveal kind of what the job, what these yeah. murder slaves look like, and it, it they do a pretty and the, good job. And the big the, vacuum, and the big vacuum room. That's yeah, funny, the other one that jumped the, out. The, the, the tuning when, fork when thing. he touches the tuning fork and it causes a vacuum because there was a shitty movie called The Arrival where there was like a little hand grenade that would make like a tiny oh yeah the Charlie Sheen movie yeah yeah, yeah. would make yeah. a room sized black hole and that just was what for that a clarification like. late in the movie they find a tuning fork that leads to another dimension yeah um and that's how they're sending the slaves over in little barrels they destroy it somehow but I can't it has something to do with how tuning forks work. It's weird. He, he touches he touches both tuning forks at once, and I think that that means that's when you stop a tuning fork. Mm-hmm. They they have a they have a very uh very labored flashback where they're playing. No, they're jamming I would say on the porch. a seamless shot of a tuning fork earlier in the yeah. movie. You wouldn't even notice if you weren't looking for it. <laughs> very. Uh, the second time real. you watch the movie, you're like, oh, the tuning fork. The first time you wouldn't even yeah. think. 
wouldn't even think twice. Yeah, they yeah. managed to put it on screen big. It's so subtle. Um, yeah, but yeah, right. it's it's very specious <laughs> reasoning. But yeah, that was the general argument as to why suddenly it turned into a giant vacuum and then sucked everything in and destroyed the whole building like poltergeist. It was weird. Yeah. Yeah. And even the vacuum thing, you could even argue that did better in Alien. Um, sure. With another interdimensional monster. Yeah. Um, the, uh, also, yeah, but, and the, the movie just bounces from genre to genre so much. Like, so there's, there's like um, a lot of horror, but then there's also one scene, a fun scene where a hearse seemingly driven by itself. It's actually one of the little Jawas, so he just can't see, I guess. <laughs> um, but they think it's being driven by itself. It's chasing them. And it's just a full-on like car chase where they're shooting shotguns out of the sunroof for about five minutes until this hearse fully blows up against a tree. Like, I like that uh, Phantasm is like, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna make this a fucking action film for a little while. Mm-hmm. Sure, and uh, you I, know I, what? We'll throw I in like, some sci-fi, floating balls, yeah, yeah. interspace uh, slaves. Let's do my, it. My fantasy? favorite part. Yeah, of, there's a little fantasy in there. My favorite part about that sequence is when they finally open the door on the uh, the car that has been destroyed and was being driven by the Jawa. The Jawa's impaled, and it's still sitting there going and like waving its hands around while impaled, and they just can't get it to stop screaming. <laughs> <laughs> and then they just uh, stick it in an ice cream truck I, well apparently they do not like cold Borif. They that you'll see that with the very there's a scene where he the tall man pauses outside of Reggie's ice cream truck and he I can't he, he, oh, I, when I, when I was little and I, I watched that, that scene yeah, he walks yeah. by the, the, the truck and is like now apparently that means he hates it. I took it when I watched it when I was little that he likes it. So I, I thought, thought it was too. about cold. I thought he was just looking at him menacingly. I thought they just liked the shot or something. Well, yeah, no, there's, I, the, the thing stops, and then you see his hands kind of like come up. It's like, ooh, I like the cold, but it like is supposed to be. Ooh, like, ah, I don't like the cold. So cold but it, yeah, but it, it has like so little acting where you're just like. You could tell that someone probably screamed across the street. They only had one shot, one take, and they're like, man, we had to do it slow motion. We don't have enough in the can to do any more. Mm. It probably reads. Let's go on to the next take. Thank God we like, shot hey. it in daylight. <laughs> yeah. I don't oh even know what, like, I don't, I don't even know why he was out of the town. That's fun. It's fun to think that the tall man goes out and does things. In yeah, town. he's got errands to make, obviously. <laughs> you know, he's, yeah. you know, that clearly the gardener needs, uh, you know, shears or some shit. I don't know. Yeah, you'd think um, that the gardener would be like his vampire familiar who like does all his menial tasks for yeah, him. Yeah, right. Like Renfield or some shit. Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, like, it, yeah. It, and uh, there's it, also a get... random black lady who appears at one point at the end. Yeah. Did, did you guys get what was happening there? It seemed like they introduced nope. that this woman lived with them, that they all were familiar with her, but it's the most disturbing scene in the movie due to the fact that it's a character that is introduced and exists for one scene in the entire film, but everyone in the scene reacts as though this person was there the whole time. It's yeah. like they get hard interrupted by this woman who's in their house and comes up and says something or other, and then Reggie's like, oh, thanks, Karen, and then walks away. And then somebody says something about, oh, did you see Karen? And they're like, oh, yeah, I saw Karen. And then they don't reference it for the rest of the film. And it's never yeah. come back to. And it's just what? like, why? <laughs> this is a movie where they had, there are exactly four actors they had for multiple days. <laughs> and everybody else, they had one Slash day crew. Yeah. Slash and crew. So like they send, they ship Mike off to hang out with these two girls. They introduce the two girls. The two girls uh, are involved in like a little scuffle with like they see the fallen over ice cream truck and then they're said to have been kidnapped and we never see them get freed. We just see Reggie say, I freed them. Off yeah, screen. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, we uh, we assume Reggie's been blown up in that ice cream truck, and then he just shows up randomly. Yeah. Um, and that's why I I think Borf's kind of hit it right with this movie. Uh, is that this movie was more or less made in the editing room? Um, that like we've got all of this movie that we shot. You know, because we wanted to do a fun horror sci-fi movie. So now we've got to kind of splice it together. Hmm. Well. We got to put Mike somewhere and we have this all this scene with the two blonde ladies and we have to wrap that up somehow. But that's why I mean, I, this movie's so disconnected that you'll meet characters who will chime in for a scene and then you'd never see them. I mean, you have no context of where they came from to begin but with. The movie, like to its credit, like unlike most movies that are that way where things just are so random and uh, confusing and, and out of nowhere, 
um, it it manages to get you to go along with it. You're just kind of like, yeah. yeah, all right, I'm pulls down. It off. That's Fuck fine yeah. with me. Yeah, you eventually just like it, it pulls yeah. it off because you just just kind of go with it. And again, it accidentally does this, but you do kind of relate to Mike and and to Jody, the the brotherly kind of yeah. familial. They're genuinely likable. They're yeah, for the mostly most part. in the performance, probably. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, Reggie's kind of weird, but you know. they're very familiar with each other, which is nice. But it is extremely random. Um, it's sort of like how people give Suspiria a pass sometimes, where it's I like think, I personally I think more people would give Suspiria a pass than this, probably. Yeah, because yeah. I've noticed when you try to watch Suspiria and take it as a normal storyline, it breaks down horribly. And I'm saying mm. this is the old Suspiria. The yeah. new Suspiria was actually I I personally liked it quite a bit, but. It's stuff like that where it's like, I always kind of think about the fact that J.J. Abrams did the restoration on this. And I have to wonder how much of Lost being a complete mess <laughs> comes from this. It's true. Or, well, or so Star much Wars. Style. Or style. Or the, yeah, he uh, just Star learned. Wars. Yeah. He saw Phantasm. He's like, oh, you could just throw some shit in there without somehow Palpatine returned. All right. Yeah. Yeah. You just throw a bunch of shit in the air and then walk away and let somebody else have to take, you know, take care of the baggage. So it's like, you know, you have the first Star Wars movie that comes out, a bunch of shit gets thrown out there, including Captain Phasma, who was named for the phantasm balls in this because of the- She's also cheater. silver. She got that silver yeah. armor like the balls. Uh, and then the second one happens, which we've all seen. People had like different opinions, but they really tried to do something with it. And then the third one happens where they try to take whatever happened in the second one, whatever one happened in the first one, and wrap that up in the last act, yeah. which played about as well as the last episode of Lost, which where, does not play yeah. well. And, I would say worse than the last episode yeah. of, of, of Lost. I, I, I won't go that far, I, but I, I think, you know, yeah, when you're watching that last Star Wars, you're expecting more or less like a Star Wars fight, not two actors kind of grimacing at each other and just pointing their hands at each other. Yeah, but you're just I mean, expecting um, something to happen, but yeah, maybe just pick anyway. a direction. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, yeah. And, uh, but I, the, what you're talking about, not to get too heavy on Star Wars, but it kind of reminds, and I'll change the subject because it kind of reminds me of uh, what John Landis told uh, Dan Aykroyd when they were doing the Blues Brothers. Because the original Blues Brothers script was apparently the size of a phone book. It was huge. Because he explained he explained why the car had superpowers and shit like that. Oh, and yeah. John Landis is the one who eventually told him, look, Dan, you know, if if you show the audience a giant mantis, they're going to believe it's a giant mantis. You don't have to explain why it's a giant mantis. They're just going to say, oh my God, giant mantis. And I think that that's true, especially in horror movies. I think you're looking to kind of be thrown out of left field. You know, like I think that that's why it works for the genre. Um, you couldn't do this. Well, you probably could, but uh, you know, but I, and I think that this movie as Borf has said, says first, from its time period but it also just because yeah this was an auteur this See, was a guy just doing it for the fun of it you know this this is probably part of the reason why as much as that psychic scene is random and it doesn't contribute anything to the plot really i think in a certain structural way it probably is important because that scene lets you know very early like this is gonna be some weird shit all right you're either down with that or not. We got two women. They got the same birthmark and there's a box that you stick your hand in and it disappears. <laughs> right. You're either on board or you're not. We let you know up front. I think that that's really what that seat accomplishes more than anything else. You know, it's funny because there was some of the stuff I've seen other films that have been just as random as this that do not have the same cultural cachet. And it's always been strange to me that this one jumped out as people at people as the big one to like kind of come back to because there was another movie made around that same time called Spookies that was originally called Twisted Soul. And it's a movie where they finished filming the movie. The producers hated what they had. They came back and reshot an entirely different B story involving like a creepy old man in the mansion. And they added in a whole like opening sequence where this little kid named Billy goes and finds like a birthday party and there's a head and it's scary. None of that stuff was in the original film. And it's a complete mess. And they reshot like death sequences because they wanted to like add some 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 like extra money into it. So they have this sequence where there's like a giant spider woman that appears out of the blue. It's just one of those things where it's like that one is sort of denigrated, but this one is like everyone returns can, to it as like a cultural thing. It's strange to me. I think. Uh, well, uh, I have not seen Spookies, but what I have seen is 
Um, the popular internet channel Red Letter Media featured it on one of their best of the worst episodes. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I have seen that. And it mm. seems like part of the problem with the way that was mixed and reshot, that this maybe doesn't have as much, is that there are no central characters really in that. This one, you know who you're following. You got Mike, yeah. Jody, and Reggie. You like yeah. you got your you got your tour guides through the crazy world of Phantasm. And that one it seems like, well, we don't know who that who the fuck we're supposed to be paying attention to. So I right, think that yeah. might be a key and, and also, I mean, he never got a studio to make this film. Yeah. You know, like he only had and even the distributor was a regional distributor. Like so I think Boref, to answer your question, why this movie has some sort of cultural cachet is because I think it was allowed to fester a little bit longer. I think just because, you know, then the home video market came out, you know, and that kind of yeah. allowed it. Because, I mean, the, the next sequel well, do doesn't come cover... out until 1988. It doesn't come out yeah. until much, much later on since this movie came no, out. No, no, it was 1994, I believe. Like they made no, no, Phantasm 2 was 1988. It was 88, I looked it up. 88, okay. Oh, well, 94 would be after 88. That makes sense. Do you guys <laughs> think that the... Um, that like the box art played into a great deal of why people like absolutely remember this probably 100%. yeah box art can sell a lot like if you're yeah. especially because we talked about how if you're a kid like a lot of times that might be the prime target for this this is before a lot of those slasher movies still and the box art does look a little crazy i'll bet there were plenty of kids who were like this looks cool and just threw it on as children and it stuck with them well, especially you talk about box art. I mean, for the longest time, that was the only advertisement that movies had was the movie poster. You know, and people would go to a movie based solely on the poster. Yeah. Um, that's why, and people got away with it, and that's why they could get away with making schlock like they did in the fifties. Um, you know, and very much also. Let's not. I know we love this era, but there's a lot of shit in this era oh, too. Sure. There's a lot of yeah, yeah. bad. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and phantasm is not really one of them, just because of maybe because of the cultural cachet, but also because it does try to do something different a little bit with a monster, you know, by making it just a tall man and everything else around him is kind of weird, but he's very normal looking guy, just very plain black suit, black tie, um, just that he's tall and menacing looking, but that's enough to inspire enough dread to you be like, I don't want anything to do with this gentleman. Yeah, yeah, he, he's got legs and he knows how to use them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's little things. There, there are moments where they try to do something a little bit, a little bit more with the characters, like the scene where Jody can't bring himself to open his parents' tomb, uh, a coffin, to see if he's inside. Um, and Mike eventually does. Like that's at least, that's at least something. Like that's a thing that is an emotional moment for Jody that exists in this film. Sure. And yeah. then again, to, to the appeal to the adolescents, you know, Mike is the bravest one of them. I he mean, is, the yeah. guy is absolutely fearless. So when you're watching this, you're like, I could be fucking fearless. I'll go, I'll fuck that tall man up. Just give me a Glock <laughs> and I'll take care of the motherfucker. Mike, Mike will die or be in jail within the next 10 years. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because he turns into a gold ball and then becomes the uh, future thin man, tall man. Uh, who then goes on to, I think, end the world. I can't remember exactly how the fifth one ends, but it's it's a lot of CGI. Mm. Um, so let me let me ask you guys this. Well, it's, uh, I, I was, doubt was gonna... Angus was Angus Scrim even in the fifth one? He was briefly. Like okay. it was a thing where they shot some stuff with him on a green screen. Unfortunately, Angus Scrim passed away before the end of the movie. Okay. And they See, yeah, that's, also that's another like, nice part used... that you don't need to make anymore because he's dead. There's no well, movie without the tall man. <laughs> Well, you mentioned the fact this one had three hours for it, and they basically used a bunch of the cuts from that in oh, the new one. They were like, okay. oh, here's footage of that we totally intended for this movie, and it's just Angus Scrim in like an off-cut, like staring off in the distance or walking through okay. camera. They really um, wooded it up, did they? But they, there is one documentary coming out, though, that um, is a little strange to think about. Uh, they have a documentary coming out called um, Women of Phantasm, a documentary with balls <laughs> and it's a movie that is supposed to be getting filmed now during coronavirus unless imdb is incorrect uh but basically if it's a it, documentary you could feasibly probably get away yeah with that. there's I probably mean, a way to... it's like 140 i mean they they had the number that it was 144 plus women were involved in the 40 plus years with phantasm in front of and behind the screen 
Whoa. It was very strange. Oh, um, goddamn. Because huh. when you look at the movie, these movies do not uh, have a great deal of wokeness as far as the women are concerned. There's a whole lot of like, they're there, they're pretty. The Reggie guy consistently has a hot lady involved with him who gets killed at some point in the second or not, third not, act. Not in this one so much. That doesn't really happen in this one. Yeah, but uh, definitely the, in the future second sequence. one, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely the second. And, and they're usually a monster. You'd think they'd learn, you know, that, like, it's, oh, it's another minion well, of the tall man. Except, except for the black lady Rocky in the I, third yeah, film. I guess where that's also true. it had the added weirdness where he was extremely sexually aggressive with that woman. Like, every scene, he's like, hey, baby. Is this kind of weird? You're tying me up. And then they'd be like, oh, well, I'm tying you up because you're a creep. And then they Again, would just leave him like handcuffed all night. My feeling is it's like kind of trying to do Ash from the Evil Dead vibes, but it sounds like they go too far in the creepy direction. Yeah. yeah, and I think that, you know, and they, especially in the second one, they definitely lean heavy into the Ash Williams, you know, cutting off your pan and turning it into a chainsaw type of thing. But I, I and again, that was a different era. The 80s was a way different, you know, I, like I said, I think the second one's a lot more funny and a lot more straightforward of a movie, but that's because Universal was involved. Um, you know, they actually, he actually had to answer to somebody. So it's kind of, fun to see a movie like phantasm like the first one where it is literally just him i mean he is unencumbered there's nothing holding him back other than budget <laughs> um you know like and you know you could argue no i mean it's 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 a it's a competently made movie i'll be said i mean i think where it fell apart is in the editing where they clearly put this movie together in the editing I would take the opposite approach. I would say that it's an incompetently put together movie that was built okay. in the editing room. <laughs> that's okay, my, there you that's have it. There you have it. Because okay. there's that's so many it. things that go on. Yeah, that's probably true. You know, and like I said, the fact that he didn't even realize the sort of brotherly human aspect that that just was almost by accident. You know, that kind of says a lot about you're really just trying to make a fun horror movie. Which again, yeah. I applaud you. And the fact that it even tries to transcend that you know, intentional or not is worthy of praise. And there's a lot of people who, uh, okay. I mean, there are a lot of people who start out that way. Granted, I think people like Sam Raimi have a lot more technical skill than he does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I might argue, <laughs> um, but yeah, like the evil dead, that's a, the original evil dead, super low budget movie. Like, uh, it's definitely not as crazy as this, but there's some weird claymation stuff. And like, a lot of stuff that doesn't totally work and is a little like a tree scene that is pretty famous and out of yeah. nowhere. Yeah. Um, and then in the second one, Ash is a totally different character. I mean, like he's, they he's not even spend he, the first 15 minutes of the second one remaking the first one. My favorite theory about Evil Dead is that Evil Dead is what actually happened. And then Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness is what Ash is telling his buddies at a bar what actually happened. That this is oh, his retelling fun. of it. But um, then how do you explain the TV series? Uh, you know, well, I, I love that TV series though. That was pretty good. <laughs> I, I thought it was pretty fun. I, 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 it was exactly what I wanted in an Ash TV I've heard show. Good things. I never, I never quite got around to it. Um, but I have, it's, I have it heard. the first episode's pretty boss. Like that pilot episode's pretty solid. Um, for, it's what you want in an Ash Williams Evil Dead movie. I mean, where it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, speaking of uh, Don Coscarelli and. Uh, and Ash and oh, Bruce yeah, Campbell. Oh, yeah, Bubba Hotep, man. Yeah, Bruce yeah, Bubba yeah. Hotep is pretty fun. Um, yeah. I remember, like, I haven't seen it in a while, but I remember liking that movie, thinking it was a pretty fun time, and clearly he had grown as a director between yes. that and Phantasm. Yeah, yeah. And, and and actually did, like, the, the whole human struggle with with uh, Elvis in the movie yeah. um, is, is very well, and Bruce Campbell does a great job. Um, I thought, I remember, I saw that movie in the theater. I was so excited for it, and I, you know, I, I haven't seen it since then, but... Um, yeah, I really liked it. And I, when I saw it was Don Coscarelli, I was like, yeah. And he has improved, obviously. I mean, and technology's improved. Filming sure. isn't as difficult as it once was, where you're basically like, well, I hope we got it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think you guys have kind of said everything I've thought about this movie, too. Cause it's, yeah, um, likewise. You know, there's not a whole lot more you can, you know, pull from this well. It's been, you know, yeah, it's a fun I movie. There's a lot of interesting stuff, but it's also, you know... Uh, it's a movie with a lot of random stuff in it, so you ha you can't really like attribute blame or laziness. It's just kind of what happened on yeah, set. So. I guess yeah. If I'll I'll start by summing up, this movie is a bit like I don't know, 
it's not really a cohesive narrative so much as it is, as it is a theme park ride. And it's not the best carnival in town, but goddammit, they tried. It ain't Disney World. It's the guy that come through every summer. They put together a haunted house for you. You know what? It's not even Knott's Berry's Farm. Yeah, it's got some charm. They, they, they got some charm. They had some original weird ideas in there, and you can't help but come out smiling, even though eh, it's not really that scary. And sure. It doesn't totally work, but you, sure, see, like you I, see those people putting that effort in, and you're like, you know what? I can't help but smile along with you. Co- yeah. Community sourced haunted house. Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's that's what uh, I think about this movie. Borov, I'll let you go since I picked this movie. Uh, well, for me, this one's odd because I remembered watching it when I was young, when I was age appropriate, and I went through the same thing that I think all kids did where I kept seeing Mike do things and going, oh, wow, he gets to do that? I can't wait until I can do that. Um, and then spent a very Dad, long where time. Dad, where you found out it's mostly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you found out it's yeah. mostly illegal. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, after that, it was like, you know, uh, got into other things. I haven't really revisited this one probably since. Like, I maybe watched it once in college. Didn't have a very clear memory of it. So returning to it for me, actually, um, I can appreciate for what it is, but I think that it pulled some of the enjoyment away having them reveal how little of it was planned and like having been involved in production now and knowing how this shit happens, it's no longer like a scary movie to me. Like I can appreciate parts of it. I can think some of it's technically awesome, but I can't enjoy it in the same way. The silver ball scene though is still very solid, even if it doesn't belong in the movie. (laughs) Hey, that's a gif. That's a gif you could throw in your group chat anytime. Yeah. No kidding. And that's, and uh, I, for, I I share a lot of what both of you say about it, uh, especially with Borif coming that my affection towards this movie and certainly the franchise comes from me watching it when I was younger. Um, it's so much so that um, you know my my friends and I would play the Call of Cthulhu role playing game, and we literally made the characters. We made Ash Williams, Reggie Bannister, and and Mike Pearson, <laughs> and that's what we were going to go kill Cthulhu. If anyone could do it, those three could. Um, so yeah, I, I I and so rewatching it again, I did remember. I think enough can't be said about Angus Grimm where he doesn't really have to do a whole lot to look menacing, but that's kind of cool. You know, that like just the, the, his presence alone inspires dread. And I think that that's, you you couldn't, you couldn't find a better person to play that kind of character. I would, uh, recently, uh, I drove a lot, uh, to recently and I put on an audio book and it was the audio book of Stephen King's second novel, Salem's lot. And there's a character named Straker who's a bald man in a suit and the entire, and it was after I watched the movie for this podcast and I, I couldn't help it. I kept imagining Straker as Angus Scrim with his little scow, with his angry scowl, even though Straker's probably a little more charismatic in that book. That, but that's really funny because apparently um, in the second one, uh, Don Coscarello is really inspired by Salem slots, particularly in the last part where they're doing the kind of road trip, killing vampires in town to town that he, that's pretty much the second phantasm they're yeah. travel they're trying to hunt the the hunter becomes the hunted um but it's really just the tall man just stringing him along anyway it doesn't matter but yeah no i you know so for considering i the gold that i could have picked from this era i'm i'm kind of relieved that i didn't go for the most obvious choice um as far as franchise making horror movies and this is for oh, better sure. or worse one of them um there yeah. were many of them that came out in that era i would but, say you know, that this is in the 70s I mean, the 60s, not a lot of franchise started. Psychos had a few sequels. Sure. But of the 70s horror franchises, this is third at best. Yeah. yeah. And then I think there are only three. I think it's Sexist Chainsaw and Jaws, actually. Um, oh, Halloween but, was yeah. the... Oh, yeah. Halloween. Yeah, Halloween's another one. Okay. Um, so, yeah, fourth. <laughs> yeah. Friday. <laughs> Friday the 13th? Nope, eight, uh, 1980. That's 80s. Okay, yeah. Mm, yeah. So, you know, for, for what it's worth, I, I always liked... Uh, a more, you know, and again, I, I appreciate the accidental human pull of it, even though he didn't mean to do it. But, you know, I appreciated it anyway. Well, I think one thing we can all agree about is, Russell, you play a good game, <laughs> boy. <laughs> but the game is finished. Now you die. Well, I will say uh, the best tall man quote comes from the second movie, and he hangs a priest by a rosary upside down, and the the cross very obviously turns into an upside down cross. Ooh. Um, and he says, 
and, and I think White Zombie even included in one of their songs back in the day where he, he says, you know, you think when you go to heaven, you go, you think when you die, you go to heaven, you come to us. I always liked that line. That was one of that's the best Hall Man line. <laughs> Because it is fucked up. I think what's fucked up about this whole movie is it is kind of wrestling with the fact that how we humans deal with death. You know, mm-hmm. isn't it a little creepy that we just jam them full of chem- chemicals and and bury them in these kind of weird mausoleums? You know, that, it, that it, we it, turn all uh, all bodies into chemical waste that we then jam into the body or a jam yeah, into right. The and yeah, then yeah. it gets into the the water aquifer. It's it's great. Yeah. We're we're a great species. Um, so who's the real monster? Turns Great out question. the real monster you know was After a man. Nice, I didn't realize the deep political implications of <laughs> Phantasm. <laughs> <laughs> he predicted climate change. That's right. <laughs> uh, and Donald Trump's not short. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. And also yeah. not a great actor. Uh, he's, <laughs> and he's terrified of the cold. That's right. <laughs> Famously. Okay. Well, I think that's all the steam we can put into Phantasm. Uh, I forgot who's choosing uh, the next movie. We're just like with our introduction, we're going to do this in the alphabetical clockwise order. So that means I am next. Okay, got it. Now, this is an era that is spoiled for riches. And there's five, six, seven, eight movies on here that are like, that's just a classic. That's a Stone Cold classic that I could pick from. But I wanted Russell pick something. He went with something that was 70s. He was like, this is the 70s. This is the 60s and 70s. I'm going to make something that's from that era and couldn't be from any other time. Very true. That I haven't seen in a long time. And you know what? I'm inspired by your example, Russell. I'm going to pick something that I feel is very 70s. Uh, I think it does have more of a through line, but I also haven't seen it in a long time. Don't look now, baby. That's my choice. (laughs) Don't look now. I recall that is a very 70s film. Hey. It is. It's uh, That is actually one of my favorite movies. That's uh, oh, Nicholas Rogue. Oh. Yeah. Wow, I haven't I seen it in ages and ages and ages. I don't. There's there's things I remember and things I don't. So I'm excited to revisit. I don't think I've ever seen this. Oh, oh. Uh, well, we're all in for treat. Okay, calm down, uh, Borif. Calm down. <laughs> well, I showed, it, I showed it to Sarah. It's going to be a good time, though. I have a feeling okay. we're going to have fun with this, trying to figure it out. Yeah. But and, and, and you know, uh, we'll see. I mean, Chris, like we said, I mean, he's got a glut of ones that are. I think Don't Look Now has its fans. I think it has its big defenders. Chris is clearly one of them. But I think there are, you know, there's a number of movies from this era that Chris could pick that are much more universally beloved. Oh, for sure. There's a lot of meat on that bone. Yep. A lot mm-hmm. of meat on that bone. Or he could go with something weird. There's plenty of weird stuff uh, from this era, too. <clears throat> I wonder. I, it's a mystery. I, I, I can't I imagine. Still, I, uh, I, I wouldn't. wouldn't couldn't imagine which choice he would pick. I found a specific a specific one that I think is really good that I'm going to use as my pick, but I'll announce it next week <laughs> or next time we do this. <laughs> Keep everybody okay. on their toes. There we go. All right. Well, I can't wait to check out this movie and then to find out what uh, Borif is going to trap us with. Uh, so I guess that would wrap up this edition of the movie trap for Phantasm. Uh, I enjoyed it, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing you all next time. This is Russell Carlson signing off. This is Zach Powers uh, hopping into the next dimension. <laughs> <laughs> this is Chris. Uh Plucking my tuning fork. I'll talk to you guys later. <laughs> Paps and tuning forks. That's the life for me. <laughs>